Good morning, everyone. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We'll be going through, I don't usually do this when I preach, but um, a few passages today. But I will try to be respectful and wait for you to get to the passage before I start reading it so we can all read it together. That's one of my pet peeves when um, whoever is reading the portion in the Bible is finished before I find the actual place. It's Exodus chapter 3. Before we begin, shall we pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts? Let's pray. Our wonderful, precious Father, we praise you as our God and as our creator and as our king and as our savior. We praise you for your love and your righteousness and your holiness. We thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, especially for our salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for this school and thank you for the opportunity of so many to be able to study here. And thank you for your provisions, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, blessing me with the opportunity to share your word this morning. I ask that you forgive me for my sins. I ask that you cleanse me and fill me with your spirit. And Lord, we ask that you change our lives with your word. In your precious name we pray these things. Amen. So I am happily tasked um, to share with you... uh, my burden for missions this morning. So, I'll begin by saying this. Um, I have no righteousness of my own. All my righteousness comes from the Lord. Just like you, if you've been saved. We have no righteousness of our own. And much like that, I have no burden of my own. And I know that probably sounds horrible coming from a missionary, especially one who's been a missionary for quite some time. Please look with me in Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in verse 9. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. Exodus 3 verse 9, and this is God speaking to Moses in verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Missions, the heart of missions... The beginning of missions is always with God. He's the one with the burden. He's the one who loves souls. And then that is why he chooses someone or a group of someones to do his bidding. Or shall we say, he gives them a mission. He makes them a missionary. In Exodus 3... God was speaking to Moses. But before Exodus 3, uh, Moses had no mindset or burden to return to Egypt. 
That started with God. So Moses' burden for missions to go back to Egypt and to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, that was God's burden that he placed on Moses. And my guess is, without God, Moses never would have come up with the idea. So now look with me, please, in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So here what we see, and I'm going to be frank and unkind, um, a perfect example of the mistake that most of us make all the time. We make it all about ourselves. Right? Okay. Serving the Lord is not about me. It's not about you. Missions is not about that person whose face you see on a prayer card. It's about God and about the people that he loves. And missionaries are honored. And we are privileged to be chosen We are unworthy. We're not better than anyone else. Without God, we never would have had the burden. And even with God, in ourselves, we would have never accomplished anything. Anything, everything that may be accomplished, the blessing of the missionary is we get a front row seat to see what God is doing. We didn't actually do anything. It is God who does the work. Now, Moses did what we do. He made it about Moses. And he said, who am I? Etc. It's not about Moses. God had a burden for the children of Israel. God's the one who heard their cry. God is the one who loves them. And he placed that burden on Moses. Now, I'm going to be frank and unkind again, so prepare your hearts, okay? Prepare. Don't be offended, please. Let's look in verse 12. And he said, and this is God speaking again. This is after, this is in answer to Moses saying, who am I? That I should be the missionary, if you will. Verse 12, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Every word in this verse is important, but we're going to look at the first few words. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. Okay. So I don't know what you got out of that, but this is what I got out of it. Any mission is like a two-member team. It's God. And it's you, if he calls you. So, if one member of that missions team is God, it doesn't matter who you are. That doesn't matter. You're not the most important member of this team. And so long as God is one of the members on the mission team, everything's going to be fine. 
It was his idea. It's because of his love. It's his plan. It's his word. He's the one who sent his son to die on the cross to pay for the sins of everyone. Um, Your sins, my sins, the people on the mission field sins, both those who receive Christ and even those who reject Christ, Jesus still took their sins and paid for them. Those who reject Christ will not enjoy the benefit of salvation, but Christ still paid for their sins. And it doesn't matter who you are. Anyone whom God calls to be a missionary, to be an evangelist, to be a preacher, um, to serve the Lord in any way, in any service, it's going to be successful so long as the idea wasn't yours, but it was God's, and he called you. So I could not stress more how important God is and how blessed I or anyone who serves the Lord is just to be a part of that team. And we're not in the active role. God is. Now, again, the topic is my burden for missions. So um, please turn with me to Amos, chapter 7. Amos, chapter 7, again reminding you, without God I would have no burden at all. He is the one who called me to serve him. And uh, some missionaries go to one place. I've had the blessing of going to more than one place, and I'm thankful for it. Amos chapter 7, and I would like to continue to say a few things that you might not expect to hear from a missionary. So in Amos chapter 7, we're going to look in, we're going to start in verse 10. Amos chapter 7, verse 10. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. We're going to read some more verses, but let's deal with this verse first. Um, Amos lived in a time in which Israel had already, they'd long been divided into two nations. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom of Israel... Well, here's a tip in case you ever have an Old Testament question. And the question is, was this king from the northern kingdom of Israel good or bad? They were all bad. You just go ahead and write it down. Uh, No, they they were bad. All of them were bad. Once you hit the division that there's northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. And then Judah, uh, that's where you got a 50-50 guess. Judah reminds me of America, where in our history, we would all agree, and by all, I mean all Americans would agree, we have had good presidents and we have had bad presidents, right? 
Now, we might not agree on who the good presidents were and who the bad presidents were, but we would all agree there were some good ones and some bad ones. And Judah was the place where all the good priests had to go. Now, they also had bad priests. They also had bad um, kings, and I may have said presidents, but they have bad kings and good kings. They had true prophets in Judah. They had false prophets in Judah. Um, But Amos was from Judah. And God called him to leave his home in Judah and go to the northern kingdom of Israel with God's message. So Amos was a prophet, but he was a missionary too. He had to go to a different country to give God's word. That's a missionary. So in verse 10, what I'd like us to see is when Amos got to Israel and started preaching and prophesying and sharing visions, um, chapter 1, and we're already in chapter 7 here, he's done a lot already. Um, The people there didn't appreciate it. In verse 10, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, so he's the He's one of those bad priests because they were all bad during those days, you know, in the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, What he did was he sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel. That's another way of saying he reported him to the government. Amos did exactly what God wanted him to do. He's a missionary, and he got reported to the government. Um, the path of a missionary is not always something that's smooth. And it's it's not all the time something you would be jealous of. Okay? You get in trouble for doing right. People get upset with you for doing right, for giving God's word, for being nice. So he got reported to the government and... uh, a couple of things here. Well, the end of verse 10, um, the report was, the land's not able to bear all his words. And the part before that, Amos hath conspired against thee. He was uh, reported as a, a conspirator. They're saying it's a conspiracy. All Amos was doing was giving God's word. And God's word did include that they would be judged. But it was interpreted as him being in a conspiracy against that nation and against that government. And at the end of verse 10, the land's not able to bear all his words. That's another way of saying we can't take it anymore. We can't take his preaching anymore. Stop him. Get rid of him. Send him out of this nation. You know, God is uh, the God of the whole planet. He's the God of every nation, whether they believe in him or accept him or acknowledge God or not, he's still everyone's God. And those who reject him, you know, they're going to be judged by God and his book, the Bible. But uh, before that happens, a lot of them get upset with missionaries. Some missionaries get kicked out of the nations that they were sent to. Um, please look with me in verse 12. Amaziah, the false priest, he confronted Amos. Verse 12, 
Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. So to make this quick, so we can look at other passages, I'll just say this. False prophets, false preachers, false pastors, false missionaries that weren't called of God and they're in a false religion, why do they do what they do? Have you ever thought about that? Why would somebody go into the ministry if you're not even saved and your God's not even real and you don't use the Bible? Why would you choose that life? Think with me for a moment. How many of you, your parents are not in ministry, they just got a normal job? Okay, why do they do that job? If they became a billionaire, surprisingly and unexpectedly, today, would they bother going into work tomorrow? Or would they let the boss just figure out that they quit? Why do they do their job? It's for the money. And so that you can eat. Because if you had all the money you needed and all the food you needed, why would you go to that job? Why do false priests, false prophets, and the like, why do they do what they do? Money and food. So, when you take a missionary called of God and you put them into whatever nation God has called them to, how do the false priests and these governments who don't acknowledge God, how do they see the missionary? They base them on their own heart. They think that we're also in it for the money and for the food. And that is what Amos was being accused of here. So let's read verse 12 again. And also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, that means a prophet who sees visions. That's what a seer is. O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah. That's another way of saying, go home. Go back to where you came from. I've heard that a few times over the years. Go away into the land of Judah, and there, what? Eat bread. And prophesied there. Go back home, preach there, and get people's food there. In other words, Amaziah is saying, this is my station. This is my turf. This is where I preach so that I can get people's money and food. You have no business coming on my turf and stealing my food. Go home. Preach there and get their food where you came from. Missionaries, we get misinterpreted, we get falsely accused, we get turned into the government, all for just obeying God and sharing his word. And so now we're to my next point, and that is make sure of your calling. If you're going to be a missionary, make sure you're called. Make sure that it's not your idea, and it's not your mom's idea, and it's not your pastor's idea, and it's not your school's idea, because 
Missions can be dangerous work. It can be tough work. If you're called, everything's going to be fine. Even if you get in all these kind of dangers and troubles, God's going to take care of you, and you're going to be happy doing God's will. But if God has not called you to do this, mercy. Let me know if you get yourself in that. Maybe I can help you. I don't know. Certainly pray. You don't want to do something that God didn't lead you to do. Make sure of your calling. Now look with me, please, at Amos's calling. He was sure of his calling. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> we'll read verse 13 first, where Amaziah said, But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it's the king's chapel and is the king's court. This is our country, not your country. Verse 14, then, Amaziah, excuse me, then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. You know what Amaziah told him? Because, I'm sorry, Amos. Amaziah accused Amos of being there for the food, being a missionary for the food and for the money, and told him to go back home. And preached there. And Amos said, when I was there, I wasn't a prophet. Neither did I plan to be a prophet. Neither was I in training to be a prophet. Back then, your father taught you his trade, if you're a guy. And your mother would teach you around the house, if you were a lady. And you did what your mother does, and she would train you. And if you were a guy, whatever the... Uh, the job of your father was, that became your trade too. And same can be said of prophets. And Amos said, my dad wasn't a prophet. My dad wasn't a missionary. He didn't teach me this. I was a farmer. I didn't need to come here for food. We had plenty of food. I picked, well, sycamore fruit. Think figs. We had fruit. I was a shepherd. We had meat. I didn't need to come here to eat. I came here because God told me to come here and share his word. And if you have a sure calling based on your relationship with the Lord and based on God's word and you're sure of it, well, when you get in trouble with the government, you're going to be okay with it because you know that you're right where you're supposed to be. And when you get trapped in immigration and they're trying to take bribes from you, you can rest. You're going to be okay. And when you've spent several years and you still don't have even one convert, if your calling is sure, you're going to be okay to go on to the next day. But if your calling is not sure, and you get kidnapped, you're probably going to quit. And your calling, if your calling's unsure, and you get in trouble with the government, or your neighbors hate you, you're probably going to quit. But if you're calling, sure. 
you'll be fine. You're not going to quit. Make sure that your calling is sure. Let's move on. So, I'm not going to spend long on this, but I would like to share this with you just in case you need this verse the way I needed it when I was on deputation. Please look with me in Jeremiah chapter 1. Not everyone is comfortable with speaking in front of other people. In fact, most of us aren't. And some of us, it's to a very serious degree that we do not like talking in front of other people. And we get nervous. And there's a lot of us, it doesn't matter if you are the son or daughter of a pastor. That doesn't mean that you're comfortable with going to some other country and meeting people you never met before to share God's word. And they don't even know what you're saying because it's a different language. Not everybody's comfortable with that. But should God so call you? This was of great comfort to me. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7. But the Lord said unto me, in Jeremiah 1, 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Don't say, I'm not ready, if God's called you, and if God is with you. Don't say, you know, I'm just young. And here's the comforting verse. that I promise you, when I was on deputation in the early 90s, and going to a whole bunch of churches that I, you know, I never even heard of their city before, much less their church, and never met anybody in any of these places... And I was nervous, verse 8, I would read this verse over and over and over and over and over again every Sunday morning. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Whatever God has called you to do, make your calling sure. And do not be afraid of their faces, God is with you. Whatever he's asked you to do, you can do it, not because of you, but because of Christ, who gives you the strength to do so. And if it's God's idea, not your idea, God's idea, and if it's God's burden that he shares with you, you don't have to be afraid. It's what he wants. And it doesn't matter that the other person doesn't like the idea. If God loves the idea, you don't have to be afraid. Now, please turn with me. We don't have time for everything I planned. So let's uh, go on to 1 Timothy because I know I want to get to this. I know very well, and we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I know very well. That while we missionaries are supposed to be recruiting a whole bunch of other people to be missionaries, I know that there's also real life to deal with. And that is this. Not everyone is called to full-time ministry. So, before we read this, I've been going back and forth 
forth whether I'm going to do this or not. It's cold, so let's do this. I would like, if you are a student here, please stand up. Okay, so I am going to target a few of you. So please forgive me. I don't apologize, but please forgive me for this. If you are a lady, you may sit down. How many ladies are happy right now? <laughs> if you are called into the ministry and you know it and your calling is sure, no doubts, and you're not going to go back on what your decision was, you're really going to spend your life in the ministry, you may sit down. I'm so glad that some of you sat down. That's a blessing. Now, if you are a lily-livered, good-for-nothing, waste of space in this solar system destined to have no effect for Christ for the rest of your life, and you're a boy, not a man, you may sit down. Okay. <laughs> I have just hit my target audience, and you know who you are, so I'm not going to be mean and make you stand up, but I'm talking to you. Okay, so you can may sit down and please listen. This message is for you. Not everyone's called to missions. Not everyone's called into evangelism. Not everyone's called to be a pastor. If God does not call you, I want you to see something that I can see. But I doubt most people think about it, and maybe you've never thought of it before, and I would like you to think about it now. You are the future deacons. Today's deacons, they're going to die. They're going to go to heaven. And one thing that I, as a missionary, have never experienced is being a deacon. Because that's for the men who aren't called full-time ministry. And wherever you go, give it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. If you truly are a man of God, the deacons are coming from the group that were just standing. And what I would like to challenge you with is this. Don't be surprised when you get a job someday and you go to some other place and it's a normal job but you go to church and you're faithful that you are the man that the pastor comes to one day and says brother would you like to pray about being a deacon we're going to be electing new deacons because it's going to be people who were in Bible school most likely that are going to be the deacons of the future and I would like to charge every one of you men who were standing with this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm in 2 Timothy, and my page won't turn. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
And beginning in verse 8, I'm going to read it quickly. And I would like you to take this and read it and study it, not for grade in school, but in preparation for your future, because if you're not a pastor and you're not a missionary, it's very high percentage. I mean, if you're going to serve the Lord, they're going to ask you to be a deacon. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also be first proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Ladies, you probably thought you escaped, but no, you've been tricked. The next verse is for you. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. We're back to deacons now, to the young men. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Men who are not going to full-time ministry, you have a big part in missions. You will be on the committees that decide which missions get supported, missionaries get supported by your church. You'll be the guys that the pastor asks if you're willing to have this missionary stay in your home or give him a meal because they're going to be in our church this Sunday to present their work. You are going to be the ones that the pastor asks to lead in prayer for our missionary this week. You're going to be the ones that the people in the congregation pattern their prayers after of how you pray for a missionary. Okay? If you're not going to be a missionary and you're not going to be in full-time service, you've got a huge part in missions that you may not have realized is coming your way. And I would like to ask you as a missionary because you're our partners. We're over there doing the work and you're our prayer warriors. Please be serious. Please be sober-minded. That means you're not joking around all the time, but you're spending some time being serious and being holy and being prayerful and doing your part because missions isn't just about a missionary going somewhere and it's not just about a church giving money. It's about the prayer warriors. And you young men who have not been called to full-time ministry, you're important. And we missionaries are counting on you to pray for us and to be the examples to your whole congregation to pray for us. That's my burden for missions. It wasn't my idea. I'm doing my best, but really it's God who's doing the work. And we need your help. Do your part. Be a godly young man. Don't just be some little boy laughing every time there's something to laugh at and cutting up and not being serious about anything. Get serious. Be a man. And prepare yourself with these verses. And ladies, and I don't mean to be offensive, but uh, in verse 11, be, be grave. That means serious, sober-minded, not slanderous. You know what that means? You're not tearing other people down. Ladies, when's the last time 
that secretly you were making fun of some guy or gossiping each other or laughing at other students. Here's my challenge to the ladies. If you have a college to complain about, if you, there's some other girl on campus that you have a long list of negative things to say about her, if there's a bunch of guys that they're just really annoying, ladies, accept that you're right, okay? Just accept it. And if you can accept that you're right, then you don't need to talk about it. And you don't need to waste God's time and your life gossiping and laughing about others. Instead, why don't you pick out your favorite missionary and pray for them because they could use the help? Okay? Just accept you're right. Don't talk about those people. Instead, talk to God and help us and pray for us. That's my burden for missions. Work with us. Your part is very important. Let's see. Are invitations held standing or sitting? Please stand with me. You may close your Bibles. Brother, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. If the Lord has worked in your heart about something this morning, it's a good challenge <clears throat> to all of us. If you're in the ministry, 